0: Talks podcast, where we talk NFL, fantasy football, and everything sports. We come here to get the most trustworthy, unbiased, and logical takes in all of sports. I am your host, Tyler Folsom. Buckle in and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the t False Talks podcast. Today, as always, we're going to be talking a lot about the NFL. Um, Here we are, week eight of the NFL season. I mean, gosh, it feels like the NFL season just started. We're already halfway through. Um, The MLB World Series just ended. Um, MLB fans, if you're tuning in, I will be talking a lot in detail about that world series about game six in particular um so stick around for that Uh, i'm going to be talking about different teams in the nfl who i think is super bowl contenders who i think are playoff contenders i'm gonna be talking fantasy football as always gonna be talking About all this good stuff. I I actually did a lot of research for this episode, so I'm really excited to talk to you guys about all of this stuff. But as always, before we get into that, I'm going to bring you today's sponsored segment. And the sponsor for this episode is, as always, Anchor FM. Now, if you don't know about Anchor FM, let me tell you a little bit about it. Anchor FM provides the best service to create your own podcast. You can record, edit, and publish your podcast professionally right on the Anchor FM website. The best part about it is Anchor FM distributes your podcast for you to a plethora of sources, including Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Play. You can get Anchor FM today for free and start producing your own podcasts. All right, guys, with that being said, let's get right into the NFL headlines So, with that being said, we're going to talk about the team that most people are really hyped about, and this is the only undefeated team left in the NFL. They've beaten a few good teams so far, and they have, once again, a tough matchup this week. So, this is going to be another matchup that I'm really excited about, and this team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are undefeated at 6 and 0 in the season, the only unbeaten team left. And in week 7, as we just saw, they beat the undefeated Titans who were previously 5 and 0, and the Titans are now 5 and 1. So let me talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Steelers. This team we saw last year, they were really strong defensively, but they were missing an explosive offense, right? They had Kyle Rudolph at quarterback, and they had Duck Hodges at quarterback, who didn't perform great, right? That was more of a, per se, maybe a a run-heavy team, a team that was really, really carried by their strong defense. And the difference between the 2019 Steelers and the 2020 Steelers is that the 2020 Steelers now have that explosive offense that we're used to seeing pittsburgh having and and pairing that with an elite defense i think the steelers have a top three defense in the league is is something scary and i'm gonna say this i think this is the best the steelers have been since maybe maybe the jerome bettis era maybe the very beginning of ben roethlisberger's time which is great for Ben Roethlisberger, right? He just kind of came off of a Tommy John surgery season where he missed the whole year. Uh, Pittsburgh actually barely uh, missed the playoffs last year. They were one game away from getting that last wild card spot. But this team looks really good. And they do have a small hole in their defense. Um, But overall, the Steelers have an experienced coach, And mike tomlin who's been with the team for very long i think don't take my word for it but i think behind belichick mike tomlin has been the longest tenured coach for one team um and i know tomlin gets a lot of hate but i think i think tomlin's done pretty good with this team so far um and they have an experienced quarterback of course with ben roethlisberger who's been in the league now for 16 seasons and i was talking about that elite defense I'm going to bring up that one that one small hole that's in the defense, and that is the Steelers can't seem to guard the opponent's wide receiver one. And now I'm going to bring up some statistics to back that up. So the Steelers, as I said, have played six games, and they won all of them. However, there's a trend going that the other team's wide receiver one is going off, right? Week one. Giants, wide receiver one, Darius Slayton, had 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. And then we've moved to week three. Will Fuller went off against the Steelers for a lot of points. Then we go to week four. Travis Fulgham had 100-plus yards and a touchdown. Um, And then this past week, A.J. Brown also went off for two touchdowns. So as you see the trend, they're having trouble stopping... The wide receiver one of the other team we you know we've seen many instances you know this defense is good don't get me wrong they have a very very good front when it starts with tj watt i think a defensive player of the year candidate um cameron hayward is an elite defensive tackle make fitzpatrick is great uh bud dupree good edge rusher um they have they have it all on defense great linebacking core i think they do need an elite cornerback and now you know, you can think of maybe the trade deadlines coming up, and you can think of a quarter or sorry, a cornerback they could get. I think Stefan Gilmore is a perfect fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Patriots are two and four. They're trending downwards. I I I don't think they're a playoff team. I don't think they have the weapons to be a playoff team. I know I'm a Patriots fan, so I always have faith with Bill Belichick coaching that team. But at this point, Newton's not playing well none of your quarterbacks are playing well you don't have good weapons your defense seems to be only good against the pass very soft against the run I think the Patriots could sell Stephon Gilmore and I think the Steelers are a team that could get him because the Steelers are in win now mode and that would fill that one hole in their defense because the Steelers can't seem to stop those wide receiver ones. So so, if the Steelers have that happen, I, I know they're not the main fate. To me, I think the Steelers are the best team in the AFC. But when Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of the football and you're playing Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship, it's never, it's never a guaranteed win. I think Steelers and Chiefs are really close. Um, I could see either of those teams making the Super Bowl. So that's the Steelers. I know there's a lot of hype about them. I just want to talk about them. Um, I, I, I think this Steelers are a very good team, and I'm excited to see what they can do rest of season. And the next team who was another really talked-about team and and not in a good way, and that's the New England Patriots. Um, in Week 7, the Patriots lost to the San Francisco 49ers. Some consider them the San Francisco JV 49ers considering that they have, you, you heard this correctly, The Niners have 15 players on IR, 15 players on IR, and this Niners team, who had 15 players on IR, beat the Patriots 33-6, and they absolutely demolished and manhandled the Patriots. They were running all over them. It was ugly. It was bad. Patriots quarterbacks threw for a combined of four interceptions. It it was gross. That that was a tough game to watch as a Patriots fan. Um, And with that being said, the Patriots have looked as bad as ever. I, you know, through 20 years, 21 plus years um, of watching Patriots football for my time, it, it really hasn't looked worse than this. And, and the thing is, is that I don't think we have the weapons to have this get any better, which is sad, you know? Nakia Harry got hurt. Edelman looks like he's banged up. He only had one catch for 10 yards. Um, ever since Edelman went off against Seattle, you know, he had double-digit catches against Seattle Week 2, 180-plus yards against Seattle in Week 2. He's only had seven catches since Week 2. You know, I don't think Edelman. I still think Edelman's a good receiver. It seems like he's banged up, though. It seems like Edelman's pass is prime. And other than Edelman, you really have nobody to throw to. I mean, in that 49ers game, really the only receiver that was making plays was was Jacoby Myers, who, yes, I do like Jacoby Myers. I think Jacoby Myers is a very underrated receiver. But other than that. I mean, heck, we have no one else. We have Demir Bird. I've seen him catching the ball a lot lately. Uh, if you guys don't know who Demir Bird is, yeah, he was the fifth wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals last year. Um, yeah, Demir Bird is nothing special. Yeah, and, and and that sums it up. You know, Cam Newton has no one to throw to. He hasn't looked good. Right, he threw for around a hundred yards and three picks. Hasn't looked good at all. And and the quarterback problem is, is is the biggest problem on the team. And you may say, oh, this offensive line is banged up. Which is partly true. Although, and uh, Nunwa, that um, offensive lineman has looked really good for the Patriots. I think David Andrews is also really good for the Patriots. I think Shaq Mason is good. So, I think the offensive line isn't as bad as people say it is. But the quarterback play has been so, so bad um and and obviously you can also say you know the quarterbacks have no targets no one's getting open i think it's it's a little bit of all of that i don't think it's one particular thing i think it's all of the offense offensive line targets maybe play calling isn't the best it seems like the only big plays that the patriots can get is through trick plays as we've seen cam newton catching a pass against the broncos we've seen edelman throw multiple passes Reverse screens to James White. Um, It's not looking good. And I'll bring up a pretty sad stat. Through six games so far in this young New England Patriots season, the Patriots quarterbacks between Newton, Stidham, and Hoyer through six games have combined for three passing touchdowns and 12 interceptions. I'll, I'll say that again. The Patriots' quarterbacks have combined for only three passing touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That is bad. That is oh, that is bad, bad. And it's not like we've been playing really good teams. I mean, the the only good team we've played, I would say, is the Seahawks, right? I mean, I would say the Seahawks is the only good team we've played, and that's probably the worst defense we've played. I mean, the the Niners' defense is good, but it's not like the Patriots have had a crazy schedule so far. This is bad. and People were saying that Brady is a system quarterback, that Brady is good because of Belichick's system, because of the people around him, because of the Patriot way. People loved using the Patriot way. And I don't think that's gone. No disrespect to Bill Belichick. I think he's a great quarterback. But I just think that this team without Brady is just just a gaping hole in the Patriots organization. When you don't have a player like Brady, who you can always rely on. You can always be down in a game. And when you have number 12 in the backfield, he can bring you back from any game. And we don't have that anymore. We just don't have that. It's like a whole missing piece. And and I don't know whether at this point, you know, do you tank? I would. I would. At this point, people were saying Patriots need Julio Jones. They need offensive weapons. They need Odell Beckham, although Odell Beckham went down with a season-ending ter- uh, torn ACL. Um yeah I, I i hate to say it i'm a patriots fan i think it's 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 a little bit of a rebuild time i i really i really do think it's it's a bit of a rebuild time um we're not getting anyone back that's gonna make a crazy difference this is the team this is our team this is what's gonna look like rest of season um i would say if i were to predict i would say we're gonna finish around eight and eight i don't think we're gonna be Four and twelve bad. I don't think it's gonna be that bad, but um, this isn't looking good, and I think we should tank. If I'm gonna keep it real with you, we need a quarterback. As the the stat that I told you a few minutes ago, it's completely unacceptable. An NFL team can't can't throw three passing touchdowns through six games and expect to win. It's just not. It's not sustainable, right? you can't win that way, and I do think. It's sad because we do still have a very good pass defense. I know it didn't look that way against Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson is is playing MVP MVP caliber season. I I, I do think we still have a lot of good parts on that defense. Um, J. C. Jackson is phenomenal. stefan Gilmore, although he's having a little bit of an off, off season. I think Stephon Gilmore is a very good cornerback. I think Devin McCourty is a very good safety. I think Jonathan Jones is a very good nickelback slot corner. Um, it's sad to see all this talent not really matter. It doesn't really matter when you have that good of a secondary and a team like the 49ers are just running the ball, running the ball, getting like eight yards of carry. There's nothing you can do. Um, and, and people have figured that out. It's what the Titans did to end Tom Brady's career in New England. When the Titans played us in the playoffs, they ran Derrick Henry a thousand times, and they realized that, you know, I think Belichick set up this team to defend a Patrick Mahomes type offense, where you need you need talent all over the secondary, and seems like it's it's the arch enemy is is the run defense. We can't seem to stop anyone. I think it's tank time. Uh, at this point I don't think we can finish with a worse record than the Jets I think the Jets are actually worse than us so there's probably two free wins on the Patriots schedule uh, at this point as a quarterback I would be looking for Justin Fields out of Ohio State I'm hoping that we can probably get him in the draft um, maybe maybe the Patriots can make a playoff run you know they're two and four they're third in the division I, I don't think it's worth worth buying at the trade deadline i really do think we should sell stefan gilmore see if we can get some draft uh some draft picks out of that uh sell just sell cam newton possibly see if we can get anything out of that um look i think a little bit of a rebuild would would be really beneficial for the patriots tank time i'm not sure we'll see this next game is patriots bills that's going to be a big test we'll see what happens so that's my thoughts on the Patriots. It's not going well in Foxborough right now. You really hate to see it. So that is that is a bit of a, a bit of negative part of this podcast. You know the Patriots dynasty. It's looking like it's pretty much over at this point. However, on the flip side, myself. I would consider myself a Buccaneers fan, and I think that's okay because I've been a Brady fan. Brady's been my favorite player in the NFL for the past 20 years, ever ever since I've been watching football. I've probably been watching football for the past 15 years. Um, Brady is still the best. I know I have mentioned this in a few episodes ago on the podcast, Um, but now we're not just talking about Brady. I think the entire Buccaneers team is a title contender. That's why you heard me. The Buccaneers look like a title contender. Um, Brady looks like he's still in his prime. And he actually, I think, has a shot to win the MVP this year. I would say right now my MVP standings would go Russell Wilson, then Kyler Murray, then Tom Brady. And I think Tom Brady could even be second right now, and Kyler Murray in third. But Brady looks very good. He has 20 touchdowns. And only 4 interceptions through 7 games and it's getting better they're getting Antonio Brown we've seen Antonio Brown be the best receiver in football for a, a full decade for all of 2010 through 2019 we've seen Antonio Brown be absolutely dominant we saw Antonio Brown and Tom Brady the AB to TB connection we saw that happen last year um, the Bucks offensively are phenomenal i have never seen a team that has three top 10 receivers on the same team right last year godwin and evans statistically were the best wide receiver duo in the league in 2019 and i know godwin has been banged up a bit mike evans has been banged up a bit as well um but they're for sure very talented. And now you add in the best receiver of the past decade. I still think Antonio Brown is going to be really good. That is a scary offense. Combining that with Rob Gronkowski, best tight end of all time. You have the best quarterback of all time. Um, you have Leonard Fournette, who has had over 1,000 rushing yards in every healthy season. This this, t- this offense is very good. And so you must say, you know, T-Folse. You have to have a good defense to win championships. And look no further than these defensive statistics for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let me make this clear, the Buccaneers are 5 and 2 and they lead the NFC South. However, you might think their defense could be lacking. Well, that would be totally wrong. The Buccaneers defense is top 10 in almost every single defensive metric that you can measure in the NFL. So I'm going to go over some stats right here. The Buccaneers defense has had the 8th least points allowed. They've had the 5th least total yards allowed. They are 3rd in turnovers, 2nd in interceptions, 4th in least amount of first downs allowed, 2nd in sacks, 3rd in blitz percentage at 42.5%, 6th in QB pressures, they have the 8th least missed tackles. They're 4th in score percentage at 29.6. Meaning, only 29.6% of the time their opponent scores. <clears throat> With that being said, this Bucks defense is elite. You heard that. Besides their offense, this Bucks defense is elite. Dean and Winfield Jr. look like two really good players in that secondary that have been outstanding so far. Uh, They might have the best linebacking core in the league between Devin White and Levante David. Um, And then they have a ferocious off, uh, sorry, ferocious defensive line. Uh, As I said, they are second in the league in sacks. Um, They have Ndanakam Kamsu, who is an absolute beast at defensive tackle. They have Shaquille Barrett who led the league in sacks last year. They have Jason Pierre-Paul who has nine fingers and is the best defensive player in the league with nine fingers. And this this Bucks defense is, is looking really really good and and, and they're scary. So I would I would say that the Buccaneers are my favorite right now, to to be in the Super Bowl in the NFC. Um, so with that being said, you know I would just went over, I just went over a few teams right there. Um, and now, I am going to go over Super Bowl contenders in each in each side, uh, AFC and NFC, and we'll start with the NFC. I would say there are three people. Sorry, not people. There are three teams right now in the NFC that I would consider to be Super Bowl contenders. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I just went over, Green Bay Packers, who are leading the NFC North right now, and the Seattle Seahawks. Those are the three Super Bowl contenders, I think, in the NFC. Now, playoff contenders, I have about six of them that are also in the NFC. I would see the the playoff contenders who have a chance or are going to make the playoffs, would be Rams and Cardinals. And then I would say Bears, Saints, Eagles, and Niners all have a, a chance or are going to make the playoffs. Now on the other side, in the AFC, I would say there are four Super Bowl contenders um, in the AFC. We're used to seeing the Patriots be the favorite in the AFC, and whoever... Isn't the Patriots is the team that is going to contend? So I feel like the AFC was usually a two teamed, like a two team system. Like it's usually Peyton Manning's team and Tom Brady's team, right? Colts and Patriots, uh, Broncos and Patriots, um, Steelers Patriots, that sort of thing. And now we have, I would say, four Super Bowl contenders in the AFC, four teams who I could see going to the Super Bowl. And that is the Steelers and Chiefs are the main two. And then Titans and Ravens. We have four really strong teams. And then I would say there are also four playoff contenders. These are teams that are going to make the playoffs or or, or could make the playoffs. And that is the Bills, Raiders, Colts, and Browns. So that so far is the teams that I think have a chance at making the Super Bowl and the teams that have a chance are are going to make the playoffs. And another team in the AFC, I, I still wouldn't count out the Pats. I know I was talking bad about them. But with Belichick, I would never count them out. I, 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 yeah, I do still think they have a chance. They, they did look good against the Seahawks. You can't take that away. This is the same team that lost to Seattle by by one score, by by a, by one play, really. They, they lost to Seattle by one play. I still wouldn't count out the Patriots. I, st- I still think they they can turn things around, so I had to put them in there as playoff contenders in the AFC. All right. So those are. That was kind of just me going going off about different teams in the NFL, what I think about different teams, what I think about where teams are headed. Um, but I would say, I, I would say the favorite in the AFC has to be the Steelers right now and the favorite in the NFC in my opinion has to be the Bucks. And a Bucks Steelers Super Bowl would be phenomenal. Uh, I think everyone would love seeing that. So next, I'm going to go over a very important part of fantasy football. So, so you're drafting players during draft day and you You know that players are the star running backs of their team. You know that they are bell cows. However, one thing that you can never predict about a fantasy running back is if they're going to be healthy or if they're not going to be healthy. And that seems like there is an issue every single season. And something that I've been hearing a lot lately is to never pay running backs right that sounds weird you know some running backs are elite and when you think of elite running backs you know i'll name a few saquon barkley christian mccaffrey derrick henry um ezekiel elliott so on and so forth you could say aaron jones you know blah 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 however during the football season running backs seem to be the position that gets injured the most so I'm going to help you out during this segment of the podcast. I have six different teams that the starting running back is currently hurt. And so if you are in need, and and I think this season especially, the running back position seems to be very slim when it comes to running backs that have been very productive so far this season. So I have six running backs or six running back systems that you can go out And you can actually get a player that is going to have a featured role on a solid offense. So when I was talking about you shouldn't pay running backs, it's because people see a star running back go down. And the production of the second running back doesn't seem to drop off that much. Right? And another thing is the team's with the best running backs aren't necessarily the best teams in the nfl in fact last year i think you could say the best running backs were definitely McCaffrey was the best and the panthers were nowhere were nowhere near good last year saquon barkley probably one of the best last year and the giants were nowhere near good um and then you have aaron jones and derrick henry who who are both on good teams so so the trend that i'm getting at here is if you have an elite running back it, it it's doesn't necessarily mean that your team is good however i think if you have an elite quarterback i would say that your team is at least a playoff contender so with that being said when you have a, a something that happens like christian mccaffrey going down in week two mike davis has taken over the christian mccaffrey role and if you've been looking at mike davis in fantasy The production really hasn't dropped off at all right christian mccaffrey in fantasy you'd expect him to get around 20 maybe 30 points in ppr leagues well mike davis um he really hasn't dropped off at all right ever since mccaffrey went down mike davis 15 points um he had 90 yards and a touchdown uh 107 yards and a touchdown uh, 140 yards and a touchdown and then 50 yards and a touchdown, right? He He's putting a very similar production. And and you look at that and you scratch your head. Oh, m- maybe you shouldn't be paying running backs. And I don't think you should. One of the reasons why I think the Cowboys aren't that good is because they pay Zeke so much. And so they don't have maybe the money to pay for more, more people on defense. And they don't have the money to pay Dak Prescott, which is sad. So... My point is is that I'm going to list people that you can start this week that is probably going to be on your waiver wire. So first off, this is fantasy injuries and their best replacements. So Chris Carson got hurt. And then after Chris Carson, in the pecking order, is Carlos Hyde, who I think is going to play this week. He has a hamstring injury and... It, it, it seems like he's questionable for for game time. So if Carlos Hyde doesn't play, then you can play DJ Dallas. So that's the Seahawks backfield. Now the Niners backfield, Raheem Moster was a starter. He got hurt. Then Jeff Wilson, who's the backup. As I said, backups have a similar production, if not better production. We saw that in Jeff Wilson last week. Jeff Wilson's the backup running back and had probably better production than Raheem Mostert. Jeff Wilson had a hundred yards and three touchdowns in three quarters. And then after Jeff Wilson, because Jeff Wilson got hurt with with a high ankle sprain, then is Jamichael Hasty. So you can go out you can go out and pick up Jamichael Hasty and start him this week as the 49ers running back. Uh, the third team that has had this problem, Aaron Jones is hurt. Then after Aaron Jones goes Jamal Williams, he had a great Great game last week. I expect him to have another great game this week. And then after Jamal Williams is A.J. Dillon. Uh, For the Bengals, Joe Mixon was banged up last week. He could not play again this week. If he doesn't play again this week, the second is Giovanni Bernard. Another team is the Ravens. Mark Ingram got hurt at the end of week six. Ravens had a week seven bye. If Mark Ingram doesn't play, you can go up and pick J.K. Dobbins up. And J.K. Dobbins, I think, is a better running back than Mark Ingram. So J.K. Dobbins could have good production if Mark Ingram does not play after J.K. Dobbins is Gus Edwards. And then the last situation that is similar to all these is the Eagles' backfield, where Miles Sanders got hurt, and Boston Scott had 100 yards and a touchdown last week. And he put up really good production. I I wouldn't say all running backs are the same, but it's really not that different you know between the star running back and the backup running back it, there really isn't that much of a production drop off so when you see starting running backs get hurt you have to go out and, and pick up that replacement and start them in fantasy because that those are the players that are going to win you the fantasy season you know people wonder why oh how come this guy is winning every year and i'm not it's because they are paying attention to the waiver wire and they are picking up people that are are now starting running backs on the team and weren't currently. Another example is Leonard Fournette, was a phenomenal running back for the Jaguars. He got traded. In goes James Robinson, and James Robinson has the third most points, uh, fantasy points in, in the 2020 season so far. You just you just have to find the starting running back, and it changes because of how often running backs get hurt, and you get to start the person behind them. All right, my next segment is going to be the starts and the sits of the week. I'm going to be going over running backs and wide receivers. Um, This is going to be five players, uh, five running backs and five receivers that I think will go off this week. The first is Boston Scott, running back for the Eagles. He's playing the Dallas defense. He'll probably go off. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a start this week uh, versus Las Vegas Raiders. I think he will go off. Jonathan Taylor versus the Detroit Lions. I think he will have a good week. Todd Gurley versus the Carolina Panthers, I think he will have another good week. And as I was just talking about, uh, the Buccaneers running back Leonard Fournette versus the New York Giants on Monday Night Football, I think he will have a good week. For starts of the week on the receiver side, Brandon Ayuk, receiver for the 49ers versus the Seahawks, I think he will have a good week. Tyler Boyd versus Tennessee, I think he is a start. Travis Fulgham versus Dallas, Marquise Brown versus Pittsburgh, and Mike Evans versus the Giants with Godwin L. I think Mike Evans is a good start. So that may have taken a while. I know that took about we're thirty-five minutes into the podcast, but now is the time that those MLB fans have been waiting for. Uh, I'm going to go over the World Series. I'm going to be going over the legacies of these players. I'm going to be going over game six, some controversy, you know, some heroic performances. Um, So here's the headline. Dodgers win the World Series in game six. Corey Seager. Sorry, I said that weird. Corey Seager won World Series MVP, and he had also previously won NLCS MVP. Um, Betts had a very clutch homer in the eighth inning that – that really sealed the deal, in my opinion, for the Dodgers. It was a clutch homer. He, he pulled it right over the, um, the, the left field fence. It was nice. Um, but I think the key piece and the key part of this game that really flipped the game was Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snell in the seventh inning after allowing his second hit of the game. Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snell and he had only had 70 pitches in, so he was still fresh. He had only let up two hits and nine strikeouts. That is a phenomenal performance by your ace. And this is a Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, playing in game six of the World Series, playing lights out baseball. And the manager goes in and pulls him. People have brought up over-managing in baseball. And that is the worst over-managing decision I can remember. You can't pull out your ace. You're down 2-3 to in this series. This is the person who you want. This is who you want in. You want your ace in. He is dealing the the next person. Three batters that Snell was going to face before he got pulled out were a combined 0 for 6 with six strikeouts against him. He had struck all of the next three batters out in both times that he's seen him that game. I just, I don't know what was going through Kevin Cash's head. I understand the Rays have a solid bullpen, but when your pitcher's hot and your pitcher is on fire and your pitcher is playing lights out, ace like baseball you can't pull him that is a mistake that is what ultimately lost lost the game for the race is pulling pulling Blakeson on the sixth inning i don't understand that i still don't understand that um that being said bets then hit a two-run homer um dodgers win uh they won four to two uh is the series score um but when i talk about legacies I think of two players first off is Mookie Betts who I think is besides Mike Trout. And I think Mike Trout is kind of a different situation because Mike Trout is actually on a bad team, but I I still think talent wise and overall production. I think Mike Trout is the best player in the MLB, but really close second to that is Mookie Betts, right? 2018 season. Mookie Betts has a historic year. He wins the batting title he has a gold glove silver slugger um, 2018 world series champion with the boston red sox he he was phenomenal for the red sox he had a a, a he had another clutch homer when the red sox won in five that season and in 2019 the red sox drop off a bit i will never ever ever understand why the patriots didn't hold on to bets i don't understand he's he's the best player that they could have possibly had and the fact that we let him go and and not pay him i i don't understand why we traded mookie bets it doesn't make sense to me um that's another story for another day though but mookie bets is a generational talent now he's had two championships in the last three years He's been playing lights out baseball and and when you think of it on the flip side as a Dodgers fan, Mookie Betts was that piece that they needed. They just needed that spark at the front of the lineup. Someone who can get on base, someone who's a good base runner. He can he's phenomenal in the outfield. You know, snags so many hits, snags so many homers. Mookie Betts is just the perfect player that you need on their team. That's exactly what the Dodgers needed. To, to go to the World Series and to win the World Series. And that's what really broke the since the 88 curse, right? The Dodgers haven't won since 1988. So so the for the legacy of Mookie Betts, it, it's really good. And I think Mookie Betts wins some more World Series after that as well. Um, next player is Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw, phenomenal regular season pitcher, right? Phenomenal. Um, However, you know, maybe he couldn't really get it done in the playoffs. Um, But now, you know, he's got the monkey off his shoulder. Kershaw has finally won his World Series. And his accomplishments and his resume is nothing short of insane. In my opinion, now that Kershaw got his ring, he is the best pitcher of this generation. He's the best pitcher of this generation. He's been so good since the beginning of the 2010s, and he still is so good. I will read you his accomplishments. 2014 NL MVP. He's a three-time... Yes, you heard that right. Three-time Cy Young winner. Eight-time All-Star. 2011 pitching Triple Crown. 2011 Gold Glove winner. He pitched a no-hitter. He has a career two forty three ERA. 2,526 career strikeouts. He had the most strikeouts in postseason history and is now a World Series champion. Um, Yeah, Clayton Kershaw, best pitcher of this generation, hands down. Uh, Good for the Dodgers. Dodgers win the World Series. They came so close for the last four years and they finally get it. I'm not a Dodgers fan in any aspect of the word, but good for the Dodgers. So that is it, guys. If you have listened to the podcast up to this point, thank you very much. As always, if you can go ahead in the Apple podcast and give it a five-star review, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, If you guys want me to talk about something different on the podcast, if you want me to touch up on anything, any questions, anything, um, DM me. You know my Instagram, tfos underscore. As always, thank you very much for listening, and uh, have a great rest of your October. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much, and I will see you next time.